untie your cleats and put on your shin guards because it's time for the Throw-In Podcast with your host, Ryan Sir. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the Throw-In Podcast. I'm the host, Ryan Sir. And just a quick introduction about me before we get into the ins and outs of soccer. So as mentioned, I'm Ryan Circa, and I am studying sports journalism here at Marshall. I'm a senior. I played soccer here. I was fortunate enough to be a part of the national championship team. But now it's time for me to retire and move on to bigger and better things. I always like to use the word retire, especially at the age of 22. It's kind of interesting to use that word. But so without further ado, we will get right into this first episode. So the first topic for today's edition of the Throwing Podcast, I wanted to talk a little bit about Paul Areola signing with FC Dallas. I guess not signing, but it was an MLS league trade record. It's the biggest trade in MLS history. So Paul Areola is a national team player. He's played 43 total games with the U.S. national team and scored eight times. He's a pretty good player performer for the national team and a quick look at his club career he started at LA Galaxy 2 that's a USL championship team we'll get into the USL a little bit later on in this episode then he went over to Tijuana Mexico and then eventually signed for DC United in August of 2017 where he was before he got traded to FC Dallas while at DC United he appeared in 92 games and scored 20 goals As a winger, that's pretty good. Wingers aren't really known for scoring goals, but 20 goals in 92 appearances is pretty good. I'll give him that. So FC Dallas has made a pretty big trade by acquiring Paul Areola. The details of that trade, they didn't give anyone up. However, they gave up $2 million. They didn't trade any specific player, but they gave up quite a bit of money. It's a record trade because most things in soccer, most transactions between players and teams are transfers. The difference between a transfer and a trade is that in a transfer, you pay money and then you sign a new contract for that player. So in this instance, FC Dallas would pay $2 million for Paul Areola and then when he arrives in Dallas, they'll negotiate a contract. If they don't decide on a contract, then the transfer is off. However, a trade, the teams pay money or trade players, and those players don't really have a say. They keep their same contracts and move on with their lives. So Paul Ariola is on the same amount of money as he was before. What most soccer teams do that aren't located in the United States, they just do transfers. So this isn't big news worldwide of making an MLS record-setting trade. However, it's pretty big news in the MLS. I always thought that trades were going to eventually die out and transfers were going to be the big thing because transfers are a better way for clubs to get players on less salary. But a trade is very beneficial for the player, and in this case, Paul Ariola is going to be happy with this one because he's on the same contract. He's living in Dallas. Dallas looks to be done with its rebuild. I mean, it was in a rebuild last season. They didn't have a great performance, but signing Paul Areola really tells the league that they're ready to start competing. To give you kind of a basis, again, about trades and transfers, recently Atlanta United signed 
Tiago Almada for a record transfer, not trade, of $16 million. So you can see the big difference in trades and transfers. Most of the time, clubs spend a lot more money on transfers. But nevertheless, you got to give FC Dallas credit to be able to only get him for, to get Paul Areola for $2 million. Charlotte FC, the new team that's coming into the MLS this season, also put the same bid in. However, only FC Dallas's transfer offer was accepted. If I'm a player, I don't know which one I would prefer. A trade or a transfer. I mentioned that transfers are probably more beneficial for clubs, but it can also be more beneficial for players. If I have a good season, let's say at FC Dallas, if Paul Ariola has a good season at FC Dallas, and then he gets traded again to LA Galaxy, then he's stuck on the same contract he was in. However, if he transfers to LA Galaxy for another $2 million, he can ask for a pay raise. So, I mean, it's really up in the air about which one is better for which party, but trades give you no flexibility, and transfers do. But, as we talked about, transfers usually cost more money because of the flexibility. Options always cost more money, and that's no different in this case. Another little fact about transfers and how much money really goes into it is that the biggest outgoing transfer in MLS history. The one I talked about earlier that happened this summer was an incoming transfer into the MLS, is that Miguel Almiron joined Newcastle United from the Premier League from Atlanta United for $24 million in 2019. Which is a huge jump from this $2 million that we're talking about making a record-setting trade. It's a really big jump there. Granted, Newcastle United... Pretty big club in England, top league in England. So you got to give Atlanta United some credit to be able to get that much money for Almiron. He's been a regular since arriving at Newcastle. It just goes to show how much money there really is in soccer and how good of a deal this could potentially be for FC Dallas. I mentioned that they are going through a rebuild, and most teams that are going through a rebuild need to overpay for something or someone to get them over that stage. But in this case, it looks like on paper, it's going to be a good deal for FC Dallas. When we come back from the break, I'm going to talk a little bit about MLS expansion and if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Throwing Podcast on WMUL 88.1 FM. Hi, I'm Paul Swan, host of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. And for the latest from the MLS, keep it right here with Ryan Sirk and the Throw-In Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Throw-In Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Sirk. And as promised, I wanted to talk a little bit about MLS expansion. According to ESPN.com, Major League Soccer has entered into exclusive talks with Aston Villa co-owners Wes Eden's and Nassif Sawiris. Aston Villa is a club in England in the Premier League, and they have talked to the MLS about securing rights to bring an MLS expansion team to Las Vegas. The plan is to have the name as the Las Vegas Villains. In my opinion, this is not a good idea. We already have 28 teams in the MLS. So... Bringing in the Las Vegas Villains, that would be the 30th. 
So we have 28 this season. 2023 season, St. Louis SC is supposed to be an MLS team. And then whenever Las Vegas, if Las Vegas gets an MLS team, that would bump the number up to 30. I think that's incredibly bad for the league because we don't need that many teams in one league. Yes, the U.S. is a big country and the travel is going to be too much, but we got to make it more competitive. FC Cincinnati can win two games a season for 10 years and nothing bad's going to happen to them. Maybe they'll just relocate and make more money elsewhere. But we have to do something about this. And lo and behold, we already have a system that we can look to in England, in Spain, in Germany. All those leagues have promotion and relegation in common. Promotion and relegation is the biggest thing that will take MLS and U.S. soccer to the next level. So a quick background on what promotion and relegation is. I'm just following the Premier League and the English style of of soccer. So the Premier League is the top tier in English soccer. The second division is called the championship. So every year, the bottom three teams from the Premier League move down to the championship, and the top three teams from the championship move up to the Premier League. That creates a lot of competition regardless of how much time is left on the schedule. Because what we see in the MLS, last five games of the season, teams know that they're going to be at the bottom of the barrel, so they just don't really care. They just send guys out there while other teams are fighting for the playoffs. Playoffs is fine. I think the playoffs is a good thing to have in the league, but promotion and relegation could be huge. The Premier League also only has 20 teams in it. Other leagues in Europe have at most 24 teams. Here in the MLS, we already have 28 teams. I don't know how the scheduling would work, how many games would be played, but the MLS needs to do something to bring more fans in. And more fans will come in if there's reasons to go to the game. Not a lot of people want to see FC Cincinnati. I'm sorry for talking about FC Cincinnati losing so many games, but they finished at the bottom of the table last season. So nobody wants to see FC Cincinnati lose the last five games of the season because those games don't matter. So to fix this, they're threatened of relegation. They're not going to do that. They're going to fight to stay up in the MLS more money, more TV rights, all these things. The United States has a second division already in place. You just incorporate the teams from the USL. I told you we would talk a little bit about the USL in this episode, and here's where it comes into play. The USL is the second division of U.S. soccer in terms of popularity and just overall quality. However, we mentioned that it's the second division. How are these teams supposed to get to the first division? Oh, I know. You pay. Las Vegas has a team in the USL Championship. And how are they going to get into the MLS? By paying. Money is not the way to promote soccer. It's never been the way to promote soccer. I think I've bashed on MLS soccer enough. So I will tell you about my solution to this potential problem that I see coming in the future. USL has... A lot of teams as well. USL has 27 teams, which is over my max limit of 24. So 
to fix this, what we can do, we as in the MLS, can have one season with 30 teams. We have one season with 30 teams and one season USL championship with 27 teams. Then we create a league right in between them where the bottom 10 MLS teams drop down into and the top 10 USL championship teams bump up to. We have that league perfectly in place right there with 20 teams, 20 teams in the the MLS, 17 teams in the USL championship. Everybody's happy, especially me. But I already know that's not going to happen because it makes too much sense. I don't know what we can name the league. We can name it Major League Soccer 2. Doesn't matter to me. I just think it would be great for fans of teams that aren't great, such as FC Cincinnati fans. Overall, I just think it would make the league more competitive. Every game is important. Finishing last actually has some consequences. And from there, we see what kind of growth the MLS has. Soccer is a great sport. People love it all over the world. It just needs to be accepted in the United States. It's going to take some time. And maybe there's some rules that the MLS wants to change that Europe has. But overall, I think the biggest problem is promotion and relegation. On the final segment of this first episode, when we come back from break, I want to talk about Is the MLS actually a retirement league, or is that just made up? Stay tuned to find out. You're listening to The Throwing Podcast on 88.1 FM, WMUL. Hey guys, this is All-American, Milo Yosef. Milo Yosef shoots, he scores! A goal for Milo Yosef! For all things MLS, tune into The Throwing Podcast on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Hello and welcome back to the Throw-In Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Sirk. And this last segment really grinds my gears a little bit. People like to claim that the MLS is a retirement league. Just scrolling through some top websites, they have written about how the MLS is a retirement league. For example, medium.com, top five retirement leagues in football. Here are the top five retirement leagues worldwide. And in fifth comes the MLS. There's sqaf.club. Is MLS a retirement league? Gold.com. How MLS went from retirement league to developing top talent. And that's the most recent one, and that's what we're here to talk about. So, people like to claim the MLS is a retirement league. However, I did some research of my own to find the average age of each league in Europe, MLS, all those kinds of things, and compare. So according to TransferMarket.com, the average age of the Premier League is 27.2. Premier League is the top league in Europe, as we talked about earlier. The average age of the Bundesliga is 25.6 years of age. Bundesliga is the top league in Germany. The average age of La Liga is 27.8. La Liga is the top league in Spain, and the average age of players in League 1 is 25.6. That's the top league in France. So now I was like, oh, that's not high at all. Those guys are still in their primes, all these things. 
So I was like, okay, let's compare that with MLS players. The average age of an MLS player is 25.3 years of age, which is lower than all of those leagues. So that kind of made me mad. People only like to claim that the MLS is a retirement league because the likes of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Wayne Rooney, David Beckham, Kaká, likes of those guys ended their careers here. However, are we not going to talk about the guys who started their careers here? Ricardo Pepe, Alfonso Davies, guys like that. That's not even mentioning guys that came from Europe in their primes to come to the MLS to play. Most notably, Lorenzo Insigne. He hasn't played yet for Toronto FC. However, he's only 30 years old, and people are claiming that he's coming to the MLS to retire. I'm not one to speak about retiring at a young age because, as I mentioned, I'm retiring at the age of 22. But Lorenzo Insigne is the captain of Napoli. He plays in the Serie A in Italy, and he also plays on the national team for Italy. I don't think a guy like that is thinking about retirement anytime soon. The thing that I can admit is that the MLS is not on the level of those leagues. But in order to do that, at some point we have to bring in good players, and that's what's happening. Guys at the age of 30, Lorenzo Insigne again, coming from a top league in Europe to come to the MLS to compete with the guys that are already young, American guys on the team. I don't understand what the problem is with that. We're trying to better our league, and we get bashed for it because our league isn't as good as theirs. Okay, that is fair. However, as I clearly proved, our average ages are very similar. I wanted to take a look at players that were a part of the MLS and are now in Europe to see how they're doing. Most recently, guys like Nani transferred over to Serie A. We mentioned a little bit about Serie A being in Italy. He got an assist on his debut. He came from Orlando City SC, goes over there, subs in, gets a debut, five minutes into his debut, gets an assist. A guy, Jack Harrison from the MLS draft, playing for Leeds United in the Premier League, gets three goals, hat trick. That goes to show that players that come from the MLS can still contribute to big league teams. The MLS is getting there in quality. It's going to take some time, but I believe with promotion and relegation, more players will want to come to the MLS. The better MLS will be, the better the U.S. national team will be, and the better the U.S. national team is, the more people that will like soccer. Nobody wants to watch a team lose, especially if it's not a, a sport that they are comfortable with. I know a lot of people... Don't know much about soccer. However, they watch the women's national team play because they're winning. A lot of people came to watch Marshall soccer this past season and the season before that because they were winning. It, it, everybody loves a winner, and it's going to take some time for the MLS to evolve and start having higher quality of guys. But once that happens, the United States national team will have enough quality to compete and qualify for some World Cups. 
Speaking of World Cup qualification, I wanted to update you right before the episode ends on how the CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers are going. The CONCACAF qualifiers are just the area or the region of countries that are qualifying for the World Cup. In the qualification for the World Cup in the CONCACAF region, it's Canada, USA, Mexico, Costa Rica, Honduras, Jamaica, and Panama. Those are the eight teams that are qualifying for the World Cup. The top three teams get an automatic bid into the World Cup. As of right now, Canada leads with 25 total points. In second, the United States of America with 21 points. And in third, Mexico tied with the United States at 21 points. USA only leads on goal differential. The other five teams are still fighting for a place, but as of right now, the United States looks in prime position to qualify for the World Cup. Thank you for listening to the first ever episode of the Throwing Podcast. If you joined the episode a little late this evening, don't worry about that. You can also listen to the podcast online at marshall.edu slash WMUL. Every episode will be uploaded there. Episode 2 will be out next Wednesday. And that does it. For your host, Ryan Sirk, have a great night. Thank you for tuning in to the Throw-In Podcast. Be ready next week for another episode.